Welcome to the I Matter Podcast, future-proof your business, career, teams, and organization. Here's your host, Gahan Pereira. Welcome to the I Matter Podcast. I hope that August has started off well for you. It certainly has for me. I recently went to Sydney for a short business trip, and the main purpose of the trip was to attend the Thought Leader Showcase that was put on by Matt Church, and he puts it on every year. In fact, I was one of the speakers in that showcase a few years ago. But for once, this time, I was in the audience rather than being on stage, and it was a really great experience just sitting there and listening to some great ideas presented by some smart thinkers and great speakers. And at the event, as you always do, I also had the chance to network and to connect with some new people and to reconnect with some people that I know and love in the Thought Leaders community. And it really reminded me of the power of in-person events, if they're done right. And Matt's a master of putting on a great event. So I was really pleased to be part of it again this year, even if it was just being in the audience. I'm also about to do two keynote presentations this week, one in Brisbane and one in Perth. And one is to a group of senior leaders in university and the other one is to pharmacists and pharmacy owners. And for both groups, I'm talking about leadership, but leadership in a changing world. And of course, there are two different groups, but I really noticed as I was putting these presentations together how much they have in common. And as leaders and managers, we're all facing similar issues with our own take on them. Uh, Things like our fast-changing world, what people expect now from work, how teams operate differently, and how to lead in new workplaces. And in fact, that last area about how to lead in the modern workplace is exactly what we're going to talk about in this episode. Usually I interview another expert on this podcast, but this time you're getting just me. Because I recently ran a webinar which I called The Officeless Office, and it's about this topic of the changing workplace and how to be a successful leader in this new environment. So I'm going to share the audio from that webinar here. Now it was a webinar, so there were some things that don't translate well to audio, like the polls and some of the visuals and the question answer sections and some of the other interactive bits and pieces but i've edited it here so it does work well in audio so sit back and enjoy it Okay, so today's webinar, I want to talk about this concept called the officeless office. So for decades now, we've been talking about moving towards a paperless office, and some people have done that to varying uh, to varying degrees. But I think what's leapfrogged that is this idea of the officeless office and the idea that people can now work from anywhere. So we're going to talk about that today, and uh, I want to make it partly a look into the future and partly uh, some really practical things for you if you're a leader or a manager or a business owner or an entrepreneur. Um, either running your own business or working within an organization, how you can take advantage of what's happening with the officeless office. So I hope I'll share with you some new ideas and some things that you hadn't thought about, as well as some really practical things that you can put into put into practice uh, in your professional life. In fact, I would like you to capture your ideas as we go through. So um, as you as you go through, please write down some ideas and, and Think about them in three areas. There may be some things that you think, I need to stop everything and do this today or tomorrow, so put this into into practice straight away. Um, and there may be things that take a little bit longer. If they take a little bit longer, don't ignore them just because they might take a little bit longer. There might be things that you might be able to do you know, in the next couple of weeks, the next month, or there might be bigger things that you should do or think about as, say, a 90-day project. So those are slightly more long-term things, and they may be even longer than that, but I reckon 90 days is a good time frame. 
Okay, so let me start off by telling you the story of Steve Shirley. Uh, Steve Shirley is an entrepreneur who started a business, a software business. Uh, nothing unusual about that except that Steve started this in 1962, a company called Freelance Programmer, so half a century ago. And Steve's business was different because it was a software business at that time when computers were still fairly new and also Steve decided to do things slightly differently because at the time, most of the software that was being written was for accounting and financial systems and people programming COBOL and things like that. And Steve was bored by that. So freelance programmers focused more in technical areas like operational stuff. So it's harder to get the work. It was more technical work, but it was more interesting to the people who worked for the company. And the other thing that was interesting about this company is that the, most of the people who worked for the company were women who were working from home. Now, this was, of course, pre-internet, so it wasn't that they were sending stuff through by email um, or through Dropbox. What they were doing was they were writing out their code on cards and then posting them through using the Royal Mail because this was a British company. And despite these kind of disadvantages that the, the people were working from home rather than an office and it was working in an area which is a fairly niche market and they didn't have the internet, it was a very successful company. And when Steve and the other directors floated that company later, it was valued uh, on the UK stock exchange at three billion pounds worth of value. And some of the, the founders and some of the employees, key employees, became instant millionaires. Um, so if you haven't heard of Steve Shirley, oh, I should give her her full name Stephanie Shirley, or Dame Stephanie Shirley, as she's now become, uh, was the founder of Freelance Programmers. And I've called her Steve because she herself called herself Steve uh, in the very early days of her company when it was almost completely male-dominated. She used to sign her, uh, her letters as Steve to try and get sales appointments. And then when she turned up and they found out that she was a woman, it was too late for them to, to back out of that because they didn't want to deal with a woman. And um, if you want to know more about the Steve Shirley story or Dame Stephanie, story, uh, have a look at a TED Talk, which is called How, Why Do Ambitious Women Have Flat Heads? Okay, so the reason I'm telling you this story is because the workplace, the modern workplace has changed. And Stephanie Shirley was doing this half a century ago, having her employees work from home. Um, and that's now a growing area, but it's still not the norm, but it's a growing area. And if you think about the people in your workplace, so there's some people who are permanent people who work for you all the time, permanent employees or not, um, and there's some people who are temporary, and then some people who work for you in your office, and some people who work out of your office, or what I'm going to call distributed. So if you think about those four categories, there's the traditional in-office staff, or your permanent employees who work with you in your office, and then there are those temporary contractors, and I'm calling them contractors here, who work in your office, but they're not on a, they're on a contract rather than a permanent staff, uh, staff level. And then the two that I'm more interested in today are these two groups of people. So your permanent people who work out of the office, and they're quite often called telecommuters, so they tend to work from home, uh, full-time or part-time. And then the other group, which are freelancers, so they're temporary, but um, and then they work out of your office, but they also, you, you bring them in as required. So there are a number of people who use freelancers for a number of the services that they do in their office, and more and more, this work is being outsourced. To, a lot of the work that you might have done in your office or with your permanent staff is being outsourced to freelancers. So if you think about those four groups of people, today we're going to look at the people who aren't in your office and how you work with them, even though they're, they're part of your team, but they're not in your office. Let's look at why 
this tradition or this trend that uh, Steve Shirley's been doing this for half a century, why hasn't that happened more um, more commonly now? It is growing, but why isn't it still the norm? This is Newton's cradle, and you've probably seen these these balls that you see that you you uh, hit one end and they go to the other end and back and forth and back and forth, and they seem to go on forever. But but the reason this is not a perpetual motion machine is because of friction. So friction eventually means that these are going to stop uh, bouncing back and forth. And the same thing is a reason why people tend not tend to work in an office and tend not to have so much out of office work because there's a friction of um, people who are distant and so you can't see them all the time, so you never know where they're around. So you're playing telephone tag to get in touch with them. There's a friction of getting together for a meeting, which you can't do uh, easily when people aren't in the same office. There's a friction of getting to and fro different workplaces. So the the things that people do to eliminate friction, and this has happened in the past, and this is why we a lot of the reason we have offices is we have people, the same people, working on the same projects in the same place. And generally same place also means same time. So you get the, the nine to five office grew as a result of this. We have the same team of people working together in the same place. Uh, and there's a reason for that, and uh, some of those reasons for the traditional office have changed. Uh, and if you think about ways, uh, if you were to change any one of those three things, let's look at what might happen. So if you had different people, so let's say your teams could change, then you'd have a fluid team. Um, you probably already have that, with some of your freelancers. And let's say you had the same people in the same place, but you were working on different projects. So your teams weren't all working on the same thing at the same time. Then you've got self-directed teams. And this is a really, it's a growing trend as well, and because it is one of those areas where there's self-directed teams without traditional management hierarchies and structures. Um, but we're not going to talk about that today. What we're going to talk about is a third area, which is people working in a different place and sometimes in different time zones, um, but they might be the same people working on the same projects. And that's the concept of this distributed team. Um, so the idea that your team no longer has to work in an office, hence the officeless office, if you like. Okay, so we're going to, that's a bit, bit of an overview or a bit of an introduction. So broadly, I'm going to tackle this in two ways. And given that we've only got limited time, I'll only be able to give you an overview of each of them. But because I'm a futurist, I want to give you a little bit of a futuristic look uh, first at what, uh, what might be happening with offices in the future, but then also I want to give you some practical things that you can take away and use in your business or in your organization. So we'll look at a little bit about thinking ahead and then we'll come down to earth uh, so that the first bit's more futuristic and then we'll have a look at how you manage and uh, now when you've got a distributed team. Okay, so let's start with looking at thinking ahead. If you think about the office and you think about what is a norm uh, and what has been the norm for the office, the normal office, the old way of looking at an office was that you have meetings, a place where you have meetings, you have fixed hours, regular hours, you have IT support and infrastructure in your office, and you have people together, uh, and you build personal rapport when you're able to collaborate that way. So some people look at that and say, okay, what can we do to shift that? What can we do differently? And they do things like, instead of having 
in-person meetings, you have video conferencing and you have online meetings. Fantastic. Instead of having fixed hours, you have flexible working hours. Instead of having IT support and everyone using the same uh, IT systems, you have this concept called BYOD, bring your own device, because people want to use their, their they want to bring in their phones, and their tablets and their own laptops and use them and link them up with the office network. And instead of having everyone together in the same room, you, how, how do you create that sort of rapport? Well, you have other things like this one example is Squiggle. So Squiggle, if you want to look it up at squiggle.com, is an app particularly for distributed teams where you're sitting at your laptop and every few minutes it takes a photo of you with your webcam and then uh, everyone else can see the photos uh, like, a, like a bulletin board of everybody else in the team. So it's supposed to give you a feeling of being together in the same place. Uh, I don't know how well it works. I don't know that you want to see people eating their lunch and picking their nose and not being at their desk. Uh, but you know, that's the idea, to try and simulate the feeling of an office. Okay, so that's one way of looking at it, uh, of saying, okay, how do we create the officeless office? But I would like to look at a more radical approach. What if you said, what if there were no such things as offices? Now, what if we said that the office is this thing that we create in the 19th century because that's when we had that's where we had people had to go to work, to an office because that's where the files were, that's where the secretaries were, that's where their colleagues were, that's the only place you could run meetings, and uh, that was the reason for having an office. And if some of those reasons go aren't valid anymore, then why do we need offices? So just as a thought experiment, think about a future where there were no offices. So imagine what would happen if it literally wasn't possible or it was illegal to have an office. Well, what would work look like? Well, when work doesn't have a place, people would find places to work. For example, more people would be working from home. And more and more people would work from cafes and maybe cafes uh, and there may, there may be kind of special work cafes that are set up where they don't complain about you just drinking a cup of coffee every hour or using up all their Wi-Fi. So maybe they charge you for the time that you spend rather than what you buy there. Maybe more people would work from airline lounges and already people are using things like the Qantas Club lounge for just purely for the purpose of flying people in for a meeting, but that might become more prevalent. Um, maybe there'll be more co-working spaces where people want to work by themselves, but having other people around them as well. So there are other people they can collaborate with, but also work with private work privately if they choose to. And there'd be this fantastic place, Dexas Place is a, is a fantastic meeting and conference venue in Sydney that I had the chance to tour last week when I was in Sydney. A fantastic place where if you don't want to set up um, your own um, event space in your own office, then, then you hire out a place like Dexas Place. So people will go there for meetings. Uh, you can run video conferencing. You can have informal and formal meetings. Uh, so those sort of places will grow. And what sort of things wouldn't you want to do? Well, maybe you wouldn't want to work from your car while you work on your phone and drink a coffee while driving. So, you know, that's a place that people could work from in the in the future. And in the present, you probably wouldn't want to do that. But that said, why wouldn't you? When Google has self-driving cars, which are being tested in the US at the moment and will be coming to Australia by the end of the year, and you can work in your car where your car drives you around itself, why wouldn't you work from your car? So the car might become a workplace in the future. And there's some advantages to this, okay? So if you think, again, we're thinking about the future. Uh, if you think about what's the best work environment, there's been some research that says the best work environment is not a really quiet place or not a really quiet office where people are just silently working, but the sort of cafe, uh, the sort of 
a low-level buzz that you get at a cafe is actually more conducive to creative thinking. So you're working by yourself, but you get you feel uh, that there's a presence of other people around you. Um, here's another futuristic idea. Richard Branson, uh, who heads up Virgin Galactic, is he's one of the companies that's sending people to space. And at the moment, we're thinking of this as space tourism, but Branson predicts that when this becomes mainstream, um, because because these spaceships or these planes can fly much, much faster because they're flying outside the Earth's atmosphere. Um, he predicts that when this becomes mainstream, you'll be able to fly anywhere around the world in 90 minutes. So from point A to point B in 90 minutes. Just think what difference that will make to the workplace if it means that you can actually meet face to face in person with somebody from, in, you know, in an hour and a half instead of at the moment taking a day to get to the other side of the world. Okay, so those are some of the things that might be facing us in the future. And I'd like you, if you're a future thinker and you really want to future-proof your team and your organization, just think about what would happen if there was no office and then start working backwards to what you have now. The second part is I actually want to give you some really practical things that you can actually put into place in your organization now. So let's look at... What are, you going, what are you going to do with the office that you've got now? So where you've got some people in your office, some people not in your office, people working part-time in your office and so on. Um, so there's, a, there's an increasing trend towards this idea of people working outside an office. And I'm going to show you people who are willing to take a pay cut for flexible work privileges. And around the world, 59% of employees in Brazil said they're willing to do that. Um, 57% in India, so it's about the same. In the US, it's still pretty high. Um, and US and Japan, Europe, it's a little bit lower, but still lots of people are willing to do it. What about Australia? We're pretty high as well. So a recent McCrindle report suggested that 52% of employees were willing to take a pay cut uh, if they could have more flexible work privileges, which tends to mean working from home. So if you're a leader or a manager or a business owner, well, I'm going to talk about three things here and just a little bit of an overview. How do you create uh, innovation and collaboration in your team when they're not all in the same office? How do you accelerate the experience, which is about their learning? So how do you develop their skills? And then how do you create high-performing teams when you can't see them and they're not around you all the time? Okay, so let's look at, first of all, uh, how, do, how are you going to foster innovation? So how are you going to create in innovation? I'm going to combine this with collaboration as well, uh, because there's a, there's a perception that chance encounters, and that you, that you stand up and you, you're chatting to somebody in the coffee room makes a difference. In fact, um, companies like Google, who measure everything, they figure out how long they want to keep people standing in line at the canteen, um, to be more, to, to foster innovation and collaboration because along, when you're standing in line with somebody, there's a chance that you might be standing in line with somebody from a different department, chatting about what you do. It might spark some idea. So they deliberately keep lines at the canteen a certain length so that there's a, there's a chance for people to talk without getting bored, um, but also to create uh, innovation and collaboration. Um, and with your virtual teams or your distributed teams, you need something to do this to do the equivalent of that. So collaboration software, online collaboration software, is absolutely critical now. Uh, one of the research studies said that um, you know, almost 90% of managers say that it's actually it's very important or mission critical. And this is not only managers. Oh, sorry, this is managers who also have people who are working in their office, but have some people working outside their office or some people working in you know, remote teams in other branches. 
So some of the tools that you might look at, I won't get into specific tools, but the kind of tools you might want for collaboration and innovation are things like online meeting tools or webinar tools like we're using here. Video conferencing is that the technology is now good enough and internet broadband is good enough for that to be really good and really feasible. Um, and things like mess instant messaging type tools so that you can quickly uh, communicate with somebody rather than having to walk over and peer over their, their partition. Uh, innovation tools, there's some really good innovation tools that are available now, online innovation tools like mind mapping tools, a virtual whiteboard where people can do what they would do in a meeting room. And you also want to give your people a publishing platform so they can publish blog, blog posts, write to wikis and do some of those other online tools to build up the knowledge within the organization. And there's some research, in fact, that was done by Harvard that said that uh, the office's uh, so online collaboration is not only as good as, but can sometimes be even better than in person. And there's an article about online brainstorming, which you can look up in the Harvard Business Review, which talks about exactly that. So accelerating experience is about training and training and development. And uh, traditionally that's been done in training rooms, but more and more that's being done online as well. And the and there's so many options now for you to be able to accelerate your experience online by doing it through um, through online platforms that give you the equivalent of what you would do in person. So let me just share a couple of ideas with you. So one of them is mastermind groups. So I run a couple of mastermind groups every month that I run for my clients. Uh, they're get people from Australia, New Zealand, sometimes from Canada and the UK, and I can only do that because it's run online. Um, another idea is mentoring, and the idea with mentoring is that you, I mean, mentoring's been around for a long time, but I particularly like this idea of reverse mentoring, where the senior people are being mentored by the more junior people who know about things like social media and online technology and consumer behavior. And the Hartford is one group that really put this into practice, and they found that 11 out of the 12 mentors were promoted within 12 months. Now, if you think about that being senior people being promoted, that doesn't sound like a lot, but remember in this case, the mentors are the more junior people in the organization. So the mentoring program was a fast track for their careers as well. And if you do it online, you can easily do that with anybody, whether they're in the office or not. Um, another thing you can do is online learning. And let me just show you two examples. One is you can go to public online learning. So there are these things called Massive Open Online Courses or MOOCs. Um, there's some really big ones, but I reckon if you want to get started, go to Open to Study, which is a, a website which has a number of online courses backed by Australian and New Zealand universities, and it's free. So just try it, and you see the quality of online education that's available there, even if you don't create it yourself. Uh, if you're in an organization that does, his, does all its own L&D, then you might want to create your own internal online learning network. Uh, one company, the Evans Analytical Group, did exactly this. And they find that now only 10% of their training is done in formal classroom sessions. So 90% of it is done online. And it's not only by online courses, it's by doing things like blogs and wikis. And the reason for their success is that they had support right from the top. So the CEO down supports this idea of online learning. Now, this is not only for your out-of-office workers, but certainly um, it definitely helps 
the learning and development and the experience for your out-of-office workers. So they made a big effort at EAG to have it from supported by management, branded throughout the organization, just to make sure so they even had coffee cups with the, the address of their online uh, online learning network, just so that everyone knew that where they could get there, where they could learn was online. So that's the second area, which is about ex- accelerating experience. Um, let's look at the third area, which is about inspiring performance. So how do you create high performance teams when you can't see them? This is my partner, Nikki's 16-year-old daughter, Abby. And Abby, having turned 16, is just learning to drive. And I have become an unpaid driving instructor this year. And I know there will be some people here who have also been driving instructors for family and friends. And it's really interesting. I remember when I first got my license, what you did was, I mean, the, the whole procedures, the whole process has changed. Uh, when I was 16 years and nine months, I could go and get my L plates. And then when I was 17, I could go and sit my test. And then I was on P plates and then let loose on the road. The, the path has become a lot more complicated now throughout Australia. So you get your L plates when you're 16. You have to do 50 hours of supervised driving for at least for at least a year. Um, halfway through, you get a practical assessment, and then after that year, if um, you can then graduate to red P plates, which you then have to use in your car for six months, and then after that, you graduate to green P plates, which you have to have for another 18 months. So you can't actually get a full license until you're 19. One of the things that's happened is in the last few years, the police have looked at stats of seeing which are the safest drivers. So I'm going to ask you, before you get your full license, you're on L plates, red P plates, and green P plates. According to the police, uh, how are they ordered from safest to riskiest? Okay, so here's the answer. So the riskiest drivers are the people on their red P's. So as soon as you get off your L's and you drive by yourself, it's the riskiest. The safest drivers, some, somewhat counterintuitively, but it makes sense when you think about it, are the people on their L plates. And somewhere in the middle are the people who are uh, slightly more experienced drivers. And the reason that L plate drivers are the safest is because, I mean, there's good and bad news, right? The good news is they're safe because they have somebody supervising them all the time. The bad news is they have to have somebody supervising them all the time. So that means that if you are the supervising driver, then basically any time your learner driver is driving, you have to spend the same amount of time with them. And the reason I'm telling you this story is because I think many managers and leaders treat their team members the same way, like learner drivers. So they're always supervising them. But so here's a message that as a manager or leader, if you treat your team members like they're always on L plates and they always need your supervision, you're really going to struggle and it'll be very hard to future-proof your career because more and more when you've got these people that you can't see, you won't be able to do this. What you have to be able to do is reward their results, not their activity. So the sort of stuff that you might have been used to doing, and I remember when I was a manager in the 90s, uh, things like peering over the partition, can't do that anymore. Uh, Going and having a chat with somebody in the lunchroom, can't do that anymore. Uh, MBWA, I know that people will recognize this if you've been managers for a long time, management by walking about. I think Tom Peters came up with that idea. Can't do that anymore because you have to be willing to let go of those things and not look at what they're doing all the time, but looking at the results. So doing things like setting clear uh, deadlines 
and clear deliverables for those deadlines, setting clear expectations about what people are supposed to do, both to meet the deadlines and what happens, like what happens if you can't contact your colleague. Do you take initiative or do you wait? Um, when you're dealing with something that's due by a certain deadline, uh, what time zone is that in? Um, is there any sort of allowance for being late and what are the consequences of being late? Um, use the right sort of communication channels. So do you use email for instant stuff where you expect an instant response. If you do, and it might work in the office, if you do that, then you're going to struggle if you're working with people who aren't in the office simply because they won't be responding to email all the time. And email was never meant for that. So you've got to be using the right channels. In fact, there's this... Um, there's this phrase, uh, which is not a very positive phrase, called the email courier. So the email courier is somebody who sends you an email and then walks over two minutes later to your desk and says, did you get my email? So if you're that sort of manager or you're that sort of team member, you're really going to struggle in this officeless office. In summary, those three things are like if you want to be a successful leader and manager in tomorrow's world, especially as we're going towards the officeless office, then make sure that you can do these three things. So you can foster innovation, accelerate experience, and inspire performance, even though you're not in the same place as your team members. So I'd like to think about what you're going to do today and tomorrow, what you're going to do in the next couple of weeks, or what you're going to put, put aside as a 90-day project. Um, so I'd like you to think about those things as things that you can do for your business or for your organization. Okay, so a couple of my keynote presentations on this topic, if you want more from me, um, there's one that you just saw, Future Proof, uh, which is about the future. And the second one is Bright Sparks, which is about innovation and collaboration. So I hope you got something valuable that you can take away and put into practice, because that was my um, plan for today, was to give you both a look into what might be the future, but also some really practical things that you can take away and use. And whether you're running your own business or whether you're working in an organization as a leader or manager, just becoming good at working in an officer's office is one of the things that's going to future-proof your career. Um, and, of course, help your teams and your organization as well. So it's absolutely one of the things that you really need to be on top of because this is a trend that's only going to grow uh, rather than shrink in size. So I hope you enjoyed that. As I said in the webinar, I hope you got some actions that you can take away and use straight away. And if there are things that you can't use straight away, well, maybe there are things that you can use in the next few weeks or, or perhaps you're going to make them a slightly more long-term project. And I think a 90-day project is a good thing to aim for. And whether you're a business owner or a leader within an organization, being able to lead in an officeless office and this more dynamic workplace that we're going to face is just such an essential skill for the future. So really, future-proof your career by learning to do it well. As I said, this webinar is part of my ongoing webinar series, which is called Future Proof. And if you're not already a subscriber to the series, then please register. Just go to seeingintothefuture.com and register for the webinar series there. It's free. And please also forward it to anyone else that you think might be interested in attending the webinars. The next webinar in the series, which is coming up on Thursday, the 10th of September, is about customer-centric innovation. <laughs> so squeezed in two buzzwords into that title, customer-centric and innovation. But it really is about how to involve your customers and clients in your business innovation. And I've already started planning it and I'm really excited about it. It's full of stories and examples and ideas that I hope will spark some ideas in your head as well to improve your business. Again, go if you're interested in registering, go to seeingintothefuture.com and register. Sign up there and then you'll be signed up for the whole series. 
So I hope you enjoyed the podcast and found something valuable for your personal and professional life. And if you did get some value from it, I'd love it if you could do me a favor and give me a review and a rating in the iTunes store. And that helps to promote it to other people as well. And if you want me to share ideas like this live at your next conference, check out my speaking topics at gihanparera.com. And that's where you should go as well if you want to engage with me in other ways. You can find my blog, newsletter, podcast, videos, and my webinar series. And they're all free and they're all designed to help you leverage the potential of your organization, your team, and of course yourself. This is Gihan Pereira. Bye for now. You've been listening to the iMatter Podcast. To subscribe, read the show notes, or leave your comments, visit iMatterPodcast.com. And remember, great minds don't think alike. Thank you.